I'm Margie Alanis, and this is FarmHer Talks, thoughtful conversations to connect and inspire the FarmHer in all of us. We're back with Everybody Eats, and we all know that all food starts at the farm. Agriculture is a culture, and any culture thrives with diversity. Agriculture is no different. There are so many different types of people with different backgrounds of different beliefs that make up our agriculture and food value chain. Today, we're gonna to be celebrating and better understanding those in the LGBTQ community. In Pride Month and every month really, we at FarmHer believe you do you. Be who you are and love who you want to. This is a month of advocacy and celebration when the LGBTQ community from across the world comes together and celebrates the freedom to be themselves. Pride Month is rooted in the history of minority groups who have struggled for decades to be accepted for who they truly are. The original organizers chose this month to pay homage to the Stonewall Uprising in June of 1969 in New York City, which helped spark the modern Pride movement. Whether you are part of the LGBTQ community and want to make a difference or be your true self in the agriculture community or need advice on how to be a supportive ally, this Nationwide Everybody Eats podcast is for you because love is love. First off, I'm going to be visiting with a dear friend of mine and extraordinary agriculture advocate, Derry Carey, about her blog segment, Humans of Agriculture, and we'll understand how she is an ally for the LGBTQ community, not only in agriculture, but in life. Then I'm going to switch gears to another industry leader who is literally cultivating change, JJ Jones. JJ is on the board of directors for Cultivating Change, an agricultural foundation who is making a huge impact through their mission. Let's jump right in here with my friend Carrie Mess, also known as Dairy Carrie. Thank you so much for joining me on Farm Her Talks, Carrie. Thanks, Margie. I'm glad to be on. Yeah, absolutely. So if any of you have uh, even remotely followed our farm, her uh, media parts and pieces over the years. You've met Carrie in some form or fashion through those. She recently was on our uh, television show on RFD TV and, um, you know, has has been a great advocate for women in this industry and somebody that we consider a true friend. Um, so for those of the listeners who haven't met you before, Carrie, let's talk a little bit about your background as it relates to agriculture. Um, I'm a dairy farmer in Wisconsin, in the southern Wisconsin. I farm with my husband, um, his parents, and our two little boys. We milk about 100 cows, and we have about 250 acres of cropland. So lots to keep us busy. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, if nothing else, I know those two little boys uh, definitely keep you busy, right? <laughs> For sure. Yeah. I'm exhausted. Yeah, <laughs> it's okay. At least you admit it, right? This is just oh, yeah. the, the stage of life. And uh, I think with two boys, you're probably going to be exhausted for a while. So um, maybe yeah, try some emergency so. or something. I don't know. <laughs> uh, right? uh, so I, I always think this is interesting. You don't necessarily have a background in agriculture, as in you didn't grow up on a dairy farm, right? You you uh, came to, to be in this through marriage, right? Right. So I grew up in Madison, and had like no real strong connection to agriculture, but I met the son of dairy farmers, but he wasn't the kid that was coming back to the farm. He had, you know, a job in town and um, fast forward a bunch of years and here we are, you know, buying his parents out of our dairy farm. So yeah, out of their dairy farm and, and taking over. 
Yeah, it's, it's, uh, I will say from my seat, somewhat of a common story of, of they're not going back and then boom, uh, you know, life happens, life changes, you get a little bit older, you, you readjust and, and here you are back, back in the agriculture saddle. So, um, tell me a little bit about why you started your blog, Dairy Carry, um, and, and what really inspired you to become the advocate for the agriculture industry that, that you absolutely have. So I had like no goals or plans when I started this, but when I came to the farm, um, it'll be about 13 years ago, maybe 14. I'm I'm not sure. Math is hard, but, um, (laughs) I, you know, started learning about dairy farming and learning about farming in general. And I thought I was finding out some stuff that was really neat. And so I just wanted to share what I was learning with other people. You know, I had a lot of connections to people who weren't involved in farming because I, that's who I grew up with. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I just started sharing what I learned and it just grew and grew and grew. So now I'm have, you know, my blog and Instagram and Facebook and TikTok and all the platforms I'm there. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you have built quite the platform. And, um, I always think that these are my favorite things to follow. Um, my farm, her story is somewhat the same and and you just want to share something that you care about. Right. And so you start somewhere and the ball rolls and then it gets bigger and it gets bigger and, and you expand out. And, um, I, I think that's an interesting piece of your story. So, um, you know, you came to our farm when you were first getting started. I did. Right. <laughs> you were like right. Yeah. Seven years ago. Cause I know it was the day I found out I was pregnant with Silas, I think. <laughs> Uh, the first time you came. Right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and then I came back shortly after Silas was born. Um, right. But yeah, you know, interestingly enough, I don't know if I've ever told you this, but it was when it was Farm Her was just a photo project. And I was traveling somewhere with my husband and kids, I think, over the Christmas holiday. And I was right. like, as cold as the Jesus. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I, I'll have to dig that picture up because I, I can I can picture it in my mind. Um and you had a cow, I think, that was sick that day, um, and the vet was was there, and you guys had a lot going on, and it was very early on, and I remember thinking, oh my gosh, I'm really nervous to reach out to this lady. She's like big time in agriculture, <laughs> and what if she says no, which is kind of my MO for early on, especially, and then I realized that you know most people are willing to share, and yeah. so thanks for uh, opening up my email when, when I reached out. Oh. Absolutely. I was so excited to be part of it. And I love what you do with farm her with storytelling, you know, it's the same kind of thing that I try to do, you know, a little different, but we just want to share the story of agriculture, right? Absolutely. And and it is such an important story. And I think it helps us all remember that we're all human, regardless of how we spend our time or, or where we spend our time, or if we're a farmer, or if we're a rancher, or if we're, you know, anywhere in this ag value chain, you know, it, it's, there's stories of people all throughout it. And so in talking about stories of, of people, um, you have a segment of your blog called Humans of Agriculture. So can you tell me a little bit about what inspired that for you and, and what that's all about? Sure. So I'm, it's clearly inspired by, um, the social media and blog of humans of New York, mm-hmm. um, where, you know, there's just these stories of people and, and, you know, not all of them are, are good stories. Not all of them are, you know, like they're just stories. They're not like these super 
contrived, right. edited things. It's just raw and real, and I've I've just always loved following that that blog and those pages, and, and just I, people are fascinating, yep. even when they drive me crazy. They're fascinating, so Absolutely. I wanted to kind of take that same vibe and talk to people in agriculture. So I started the project. Oh gosh, I don't know, maybe six seven years ago. I'd, I'd have to go back and look, honestly, again, it all blends together. But um, my whole point was kind of to share in the same vein as farmer of these people are just like everyone else. Yes. Our jobs are different. What our day looks like is different, but we all have things in common. We all have something that connects us to someone else. And, and also ag is really a lot more diverse than what we think of it. So uh, you know, I started off sharing stories um, of people who have struggled with mental illness, people who have come from abusive relationships, people who have dealt with cancer, you know, organ donation, all these things. Uh, I've talked to immigrants that are involved in ag, and then um, I did kind of a themed week where I talked to uh, LGBTQ plus people in agriculture as well and, and shared their stories of being part of the ag community and, you know, also being themselves. So right, right. It's really a neat, neat thing. Is there any specific stories from uh, that LGBTQ plus community that you'd like to share? Because I, I think, uh, first of all, I love this, right? I, I absolutely love peeling back the layers a little bit and showing the human part of it. Um, but I think in agriculture, just as anywhere, it, when we talk about inclusion and diversity, we, we have a long ways to go and understanding how we can help, how we can, um, you know, better understand um, and in thinking about those humans of agriculture stories. Are there are there any that really jump out at you in that realm? You know, I, I think the stories I shared are all neat in that, you know, they're all very unique. I have a um, man from California who. Um, is fostering to adopt with his husband right now. And he grew up knowing who he was and being okay with it and, and just has always kind of been out um, and is very comfortable with that. And at the same time, I have a woman and her wife from Ohio who, you know, didn't tell people at work, you know, on dairy farms that mm-hmm. she was a lesbian, you know, the, the, wide breadth of stories there was just really fascinating stories and experiences and, and just like anything else, you know, there's not one like single thing that, uh, or single experience that people have felt or, you know, have gone through, but um, the, the stories were all just so powerful and the really, really cool thing, like the stories I put out were neat, but the the messages I got, the private messages from people saying, I've waited my entire life to say, or to see the words humans of agriculture, LGBTQ, like to see that I'm not out, please don't out, you know, messages saying, I'm not out, please don't out me, but you have made a difference by sharing these stories. And that, I mean, that just brought me to tears again and again. It was incredibly powerful. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and the ability to help somebody find or not find to show their authentic self 
to the rest of the world is is huge. And and I've been on the backside of these stories too, where I have people on all different comfort levels who've been a part of our farm her stories of people who are um, you know visible with where they are or people who don't feel comfortable sharing with where they are. And, and, you know, I think that storytelling is a huge, huge, powerful thing that we all have that we can all, again, share the ways that we are all similar and that, you know, that we all have differences though. And, and it's okay. Talking about being an ally to people who are in the LGBTQ plus community, can you tell me your thoughts on that um, as we are in agriculture? Because I'm also, while, while I'm sure that you received many great messages, I'm guessing that you also received some non-welcoming messages about uh, sharing these stories. And um, as unfortunate as that might be, you know, I think we all can think about what we can do to be a better ally and to show up for people who might have um, a difficult path in this area. Can you tell me your thoughts on that? There was some nasty comments. There were some rude people. There were some messages that I'd rather not relive, you know, or or think about because anytime you put, put anything out there to a large group of people, you're going to have some people that want to let you know they disagree with you. And most people, you know, yeah, they suck, but it, it can't stop someone, especially, you know, I've built this platform over the years, you know, 13 years ago, uh, my blog is 10 years old. I've been advocating for over 13 years. I've got all these voices or all these ears listening to me and seeing what I have to say. And if I don't use my platform for good, if I don't help others tell their story, what is it worth? Mm -hmm. What, What am I doing? So for me, it's just, it was just too important to not speak up and, And yeah, I'm going to lose some followers over it, but it's probably not the people I want to be talking to anyways. Absolutely. I I agree a hundred percent. And I say that to my team all the time. If, if we aren't doing something good with this, then, then what are we even doing? And um, I think it goes to being our authentic selves too, in in leading a community like this, right. Of this is, this is who I, who I believe, right. Like this is, this is, I believe that you do you, I believe that love is love, right. Like all these things. And so I think um, you and I are blessed in, in being able to have this voice. Um, when you think specifically about ways that you can be an ally or that our listeners could be an ally to people in the LGBTQ community, is there any specific pieces of pieces of advice you would give someone who's wondering how they could reach out or how they could help? I think the easiest way and understanding that saying easy is very relative in this point because it's not necessarily easy to stand up to people you know, but when you see someone that says something off color or is just inconsiderate, just, you know, send them a message or a reply back. Or when you see the nastiness that's online, be a voice for those who truly can't speak up. You know, I, call people on it. Yeah. Call them on it. And that's true. And I, I think whether it's LGBTQ+, whether it's uh, people of different ethnicities, whether it's different genders, like whatever that is, I think it's always important to remember that sometimes people can't have their own voice or, or don't have their own voice. And, and how can we help that, right? I think that's a huge thing. There's a lot of people who, you know, aren't out 
and are so afraid of being pegged, you know, as a member of the LGBTQ community that they're, they, they just can't. They just can't speak up. So we have to do that. We have to do that. That's our job. Well, you're doing a great job of it. And I appreciate everything that you put out. So where could others go to read your Humans of Agriculture stories or any other uh, dairy carry goodness? So my blog is dairycarry.com and you can find me as Dairy Carry on whatever social platform you like. <laughs> yeah. Great. I'm everywhere. You're everywhere. I'm well, everywhere. Carrie, thank you so much for for being an ally to all humans and humans of agriculture and helping others understand what we all can do to help others be their authentic selves and, and how we can be an ally. I really appreciate you sharing your thoughts there and thank you so much for joining us. Thanks, Margie. I'm really proud to stand next to you in this. Next up, we welcome J.J. Jones, a member of the board of directors for a foundation called Cultivating Change, and they are doing just that within the agriculture community. J.J., welcome to Farmer Talks, and thank you for joining me today and discussing such an important topic. Of course. Thank you for inviting us. Yes, of course. So first off, let's talk a little bit about Cultivating Change. What is it? Sure. So it began as really a conversation a little over five years ago when a number of individuals who were passionate about food and agriculture and rural America, but were also members of the LGBTQ plus community, sensed that there was need for a conversation about how individuals who were both uh, passionate about this space that we all love, as well as part of the LGBTQ community, could be their authentic selves. And so they came together down in Atlanta, Georgia, and had a series of just dialogues. And really from there determined that there was need for a foundation that could, uh, as the name implies, cultivate change within our industry sector and explore ways to um, provide education and advocacy and probably most importantly, community for individuals within the agriculture community who happen to also be part of the LGBTQ plus community. Yeah. Well, uh, one thing we know at Farm Her is that finding your community, um, having the support of people around you is really, really important for any of us to grow and change and move forward uh, wherever we are. So this sounds like a really amazing idea. Were you one of the founding members or when did your involvement with the organization begin? So... Um it's an interesting answer. I was involved in the initial conversations. Unfortunately, uh, my partner and I already had a, a vacation scheduled um, <laughs> to Europe at the time that they were all meeting in Atlanta. So I wasn't able to take part in the first conversation. And, um, you know, I will say it was very tempting to try to postpone our vacation because it was such an important conversation that I wanted to be part of. But um, we did decide to go ahead and, and, and travel. So I wasn't part of that first conversation but joined the, the dialogue shortly thereafter when uh, especially two individuals who were part of that initial dialogue, uh, Marcus Holland and Jesse Eller, um, took the proverbial bull by the horns and um, started what became the Cultivating Change Foundation. So formalizing um, the organization and its mission and 
the programs and activities that we've been carrying out the last several years. So I've been involved for um, for quite some time, but unfortunately, I can't say I was actually at that very first meeting. Right. Well, you know what? Vacations with your family, they do matter very much. So I completely understand that. And uh, we all we all have a lot of things to balance, but it sounds like you've found your found your way to engage since then, for sure. So um, let's also take a brief stop here to talk about your uh, background, your history, your role in the agriculture community overall? Sure. So um, at least for my part of the country, I like to think that I had a pretty traditional uh, farm kid upbringing. My family's been involved in in agriculture and farming and ranching really since the Homestead Act in Western Kansas. So we uh, raised cattle and horses and of course grew wheat and hay and then also had some other agribusinesses that my grandfather and and, and father and his brothers uh, managed but um, always enjoyed living in rural America as well as continuing the family tradition of, of raising cattle and being involved in the food and agriculture space and so went on to Kansas State University where I, where I studied animal science and industry and international agriculture. Thought I was going to become a ruminant nutritionist um, and worked for Cargill Animal Nutrition for a while, but then also discovered that I really liked the communications and marketing side or association management side of the business, if you will. And so I drew upon my history as a 4-H and FFA and Agriculture Future of America, uh, a member and participant, and have spent um, the last 20 plus years of my career, more in the uh, communication, marketing, and association management realm. And I always like to tell people I still have all rights to the farm. I drive by and say, all looks good. <laughs> um, but fortunately, I have cousins who do the day-to-day operations back in Western Kansas. And, and I'm fortunate enough now to split my time between Council Grove, Kansas, here in the Flint Hills, as well as in Kansas City when I need to be there for uh, various projects or activities. Right. Well, um, I completely understand that my my family, my extended family, still runs the farm that my uh, grandparents started, and uh, you know it it is so very important. But sitting in that tractor is not for everybody. There are so many roles to fill in agriculture, right? Whether you're advocating for part of it, whether you're leading an organization, whether you're um, a part of so many different types of organizations. So I think that, that that's one thing that I always try to impress upon anybody in our conversations. There is a space for everybody here and it takes every single one of us to advocate for this industry for sure. So um, that that's wonderful. Thank you for sharing your background. Um, so let's talk a little bit about what your role as a board member means for cultivating change. Why, why do you choose to spend your time with that organization and what does that look like for you? Sure. So part of the, the initial conversations, even leading up to the, the Atlanta dialogue was that many of us who are part of the LGBTQ plus community within agriculture and rural America felt like maybe we were the only person or the uh, one of very, very few mm-hmm. who were, were struggling, if you will, to be our authentic self, meaning that we felt like we had to choose between our uh, sexual orientation or our gender identity and being part of agriculture and rural America. And so a big part to me of, of my role and, and my fellow uh, board members' roles, we feel, is to ensure that every person coming to food and agriculture, as you mentioned, whether it's on the farm or ranch or 
in allied industry or some other sector of, of food, agriculture in rural America can show up as their authentic self, that they can be their whole person no matter where they are. And, and so that's really what we do on a day-to-day basis as board members when we're working on um, the direction of the organization or when we're working with our uh, volunteers or uh, contract uh, employees to develop programs and activities is, again, creating that space where we can advocate and educate and also create community. So again, everybody can be their authentic selves when they are part of food, agriculture, and rural America. Right, which is which is so very important to anybody's happiness and well-being and health and uh, just just everything about being, uh, you know, healthy and, and okay as a person to belong, right? To, to be able to be your authentic self wherever you are. And if ag is where you want to spend your time, if food, if, if this is the industry, if ag is where you want to spend your time, if the food industry is where you want to spend your time, this is so very important to be having this discussion. So... Can we talk a little bit about the specifics of what cultivating change does for the LGBTQ plus community? Of course, of course. So I think the biggest thing is probably just sharing the message, whether that's orally or verbally or non-verbally, um, that no matter who you are, there is a place for you in food, agriculture, and rural America. So simply um, having a presence. I think is is part of what we do. And then from there, we can get into more of the tactical programs and activities. And what some of those look like is we actually have cultivating change organizations that are led and, and uh, governed, if you will, by students at colleges and universities uh, across the U.S. And so as young people are trying to decide, oh, can I be part of the LGBTQ plus community and also pursue my studies or my career in food, agriculture, and rural America, making sure that they have that space on their college or university campus to find individuals who have similar questions or thoughts or, again, um, a desire to build community. So we do that. We also have what we call our regional receptions. So that's an opportunity for us to go out and really visit with um, various organizations and individuals across the U.S. who have questions. Uh, Maybe those are questions about how do they start an employee resource group or how do they incorporate diversity, equity, and inclusion trainings or programs into their um, business, into their conferences or conventions or other activities. So the regional receptions are really where we're able to have more of those intimate one-on-one conversations or dialogues. It's a great opportunity for people to better understand who we are as the Cultivating Change Foundation and how we might be able to help them. And then the final area I would highlight is really probably our our cornerstone event that in pre-pandemic times happened on an annual basis and will return in 2022. And that's our annual Cultivating Change Foundation Summit. And so as you might imagine, that's an opportunity for all of us across the United States who are a part of the community of LGBTQ plus or allies of the community to come together and really see the mission in action. So that, um, as you might imagine, looks like a lot of summits. There would be keynote addresses and panel conversations. There could be breakout workshops and then also times um, for celebration and, and building of community 
in the evenings or um, adjacent to that summit. So those are probably the three areas I would highlight the most. And then I guess I would be remiss to not mention, like many organizations, we also have a lot of resources on our website, cultivatingchangefoundation.org. So again, those who might not be able to take part in a in an in-person or a virtual setting could still go um, at their own leisure and find resources and materials. Yeah, well, this this is also very good. You know, I, I spend a lot of my time, no matter what hat I have on, with whatever part of agriculture I'm engaged in at the time, of thinking about how agriculture as a whole can be more inclusive, um, how we can all think a little broader, right? And and I think this industry has made great strides, but I would love to hear how has this been met by the ag community? I mean, I think while there's been great strides, I know that there's miles and miles to go for all of us, right? So can you tell me a little bit about, about how cultivating change has been met? Sure. So I, I think uh, as you highlighted and, and, it, it's a journey, really. It's not a, a destination. And what I mean by that, in fact, I was just reading an article um, touting that one of the things that we're very proud of, and rightly so, in food and agriculture is the concept of continuous improvement. So especially when it comes to the growing of crops or the raising of livestock, how do we continuously improve, whether it's the genetics we're using or our practices that relate to environmental stewardship or um, community citizenship, et cetera. And I think that also can apply then to um, the diversity, equity, and inclusion within food, agriculture, and rural America is that it's about continuous improvement. So for example, I w- like I mentioned earlier, feel like I grew up in a fairly traditional farming and ranching family and community. And in my mind growing up, um, Farmers and ranchers were typically male. Um, they tended to be the primary person that you thought of who owned and or managed the farming or ranching operation. And then you had, you know, gender roles, if you will. Um, however, over um, my lifetime and, and my career, uh, we've started to notice, wait a second. Yes, there are a lot of farmers and ranchers who happen to be men, um, but there's also farmers and ranchers um, that are women who are leading their farming and ranching operations as the primary um, operator or landowner or decision maker, et cetera. So um, I bring that up because one of the things we've really worked on with some of our uh, partnering organizations is how do we make sure that we use language that is as inclusive as possible? So not always assuming when we send out uh, a mailer or when we design a uh, campaign to reach farmers and ranchers that we use masculine pronouns only thinking about the fact that there are going to be men and women who are looking at um, these, these topics and then also being respectful. And this takes it to a whole nother level that there are also individuals who um, do not identify um, strictly as male or female. So how do, again, you make sure that you're using language that is inclusive and, while that sounds simple, it is something just out of habit and out of culture. Um, we have to practice and maybe have someone that helps us remember as we're developing those materials to, to utilize inclusive language. So that's one um, 
example that comes to my mind all the time of, of how we can continuously improve as leaders in, in the agriculture and food and rural America space. Thank you for that. I, I think it, it is so important for us all to remember that that we all can continuously improve. L- big steps, little steps, any steps in the right direction um, are, are very important. And uh, hallelujah to everything that you just said. Absolutely, of course, um, you know, with FarmHer, this is this is the drum we've been beating for many years, obviously, right? Of, of it is important to have diversity in all different ways in any culture and agriculture is a culture and we will be better off for being inclusive uh, to all different types of people from all different backgrounds with all different beliefs. Absolutely. So I, I love that uh, continuous change mentality because I think um, especially for those people who maybe are part of the majority in agriculture it's it's difficult to even think about what should I be doing? Why why do I need to think about changing? But but this is a great conversation to be having. Absolutely. So, um, do you have any tips for others or for our listeners on being your authentic self? Is is there anything maybe that you've gone through in your journey, especially in the agriculture community, that you can share with others about how to kind of step out from maybe that comfort zone then that you're in and to really be your authentic self. Sure. So I would say if, if you know, someone is, is struggling with being their authentic self, um, it goes back to it's, it's a journey, not a destination. And everybody's going to have their own comfort level in, in the process, if you will, that they use to, to fully be their authentic self. But the biggest thing I would say is, um, know that there are those of us out there that want to be a champion for you, that want to um, be a shoulder to lean on or, or someone to just listen and, and help um, in, in whatever that looks like. Sometimes it's simply listening and that's it. Other times it may be providing counsel or guidance or experiences that, that we or others have gone through. And so that's one of the greatest things uh, in my mind about the Cultivating Change Foundation and organizations like Farm Her is, is now we know that there are those individuals who we could reach out to, um, to, to be our, our authentic selves or to find our way to becoming our authentic self. So that's one side of the coin. You know, to me, the other side of the coin is if you're um, part of the, the traditional majority, if you will, and you want to be a supporter or as we call them, the LGBTQ plus community, an ally, um, thank you, first of all. But second of all, I think, you know, again, it's, finding ways that you can make sure that folks know they could, they could lean upon you or call upon you to, again, be that listening ear or that person that can provide counsel and guidance. And that to me is, is so important um, in this day and age, especially as we know in, in farming and ranching and in rural America, you know, there's not that many of us all the time. So finding those, those allies and those, colleagues um, that we can rely upon is is so important. And that's one of the beauties of, of digital media. We can now find each other uh, much more easily than we could even 30, 40 years ago. Yeah. So um, I'm, I'm rambling on there a little bit, but I think it's um, basically, you know, my partner and I, we like to host a lot of dinner parties and we always look at it that as the host of a dinner party or an event, your number one priority is to make sure that everybody feels comfortable 
and that in, in our case that their their wine glass is always full and their plate is always uh, filled and, and that they're enjoying their time. And I think that's really what all of us in food and agriculture in rural America should view ourselves as, as the host uh, of bringing people into our space or continuing to allow people to enjoy our space of, of food and agriculture in rural America. And so it's always thinking about how can you make others um, comfortable uh, to be in your presence and to be in the space that you are hosting. I love that. I absolutely love that. I haven't heard it referred to in that way before, but I think that's something that we all can relate to, right? And, and that's hosting other people and, and being welcoming and opening up um, your your mind, your arms, your hearts to uh, what they have to offer as well. So one last question, how can somebody listening engage with Cultivating Change? Sure. So I think obviously we'd love to have individuals um, visit our website, cultivatingchangefoundation.org. That's all spelled out. So I know that's a little long, but um, that will get you to our digital community and space where they can um, find additional information about the resources we offer or, um, again, programs and activities that we are planning. Um, like many organizations, we went to a completely virtual space during COVID-19, but here later this year, we plan to have some regional receptions across the U.S. and then, again, planning our annual summit in 2022. Um, on there, you can also find links to our various social media platforms. So, again, if people want to um, keep up to date with not only what's happening um, from the Cultivating Change Foundation, but as we highlight um, members or I guess we really don't have members, but stakeholders or individuals who are part of our community um, and what they're doing. We, we obviously do that through social media. And, and then, of course, our email address is on there. So if individuals have very specific questions or a need, um, again, whether it's just someone to listen to them or um, someone to provide counsel and guidance or we can help in any other way, we'd love to, uh, to again, as we were talking about, kind of be that host of our space anyway and, and help them feel as comfortable as possible. JJ, thank you so much for your insight and for the time and effort and energy that you've given to being that host. I really appreciate you sharing uh, your story and the story of cultivating change today. Well, thank you. And thank you to Farm Her for being such a great ally to the LGBTQ plus community. We really appreciate it. Absolutely. So I want to just say thank you to both of my guests today and our nationwide Everybody Eats platform for helping me tackle such an important topic. Remember to always be your authentic self and love is love no matter what. Thanks for joining us on Farm Her Talks.